You're listening to One Good Take, the podcast that delves into the nitty-gritty of film development and distribution and explores the often elusive chemistry that brings the film to life. Hello and welcome to One Good Take. Today on the show, producer Jay Taylor and writer-director John Jenks, joint founders of the London-based film production and finance company Electric Shadow Company. Both guys struck me as adapting well to the fast-changing landscape of the business and yet losing none of their passion for making original and thought-provoking entertainment. Here's that take. Hey, Jay and John, how's it going? Hello. Very good, thanks. Very well. Good. We should uh, identify which is which, actually. I guess uh, no visuals on this one. So which is John? Say hello, John. Uh, I'm John. I don't know how different our voices are, but um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jay? Hi, I'm Jay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you're 10 years old <laughs> yeah <okay. laughs> right <laughs> yeah the production team yeah Sun. okay cool well so you both run electric shadow company um i thought we should start at the beginning really how you guys met and got to work together Jay, why don't you? who's gonna go so uh we've been very good friends since the age of uh oh dear it's one of these (laughs) (laughs) um well no okay so we've 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 known each other since um oh my gosh uh hold on maybe i should just quickly work this out before i just ramble on uh what how many years well since you were 14 yeah so okay yeah so 26 years Something like that. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, School time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So John and I, John and I have known uh, each other since we were at school, um, twenty six something years ago, and uh, didn't really know that John shared a love of film in the same way um, that I did, but we did share a passion for similar types of music. So, we would hang out a lot and listen to music. And then around the time when we sort of started coming back from schools and universities and what have you, we, I mean, we were, we were, we were still in touch and John had written a short film when he was in America that he was looking for a producer for when he came back to the UK. And um, he showed me the script and I thought it was great. And I really liked um, what it had to say, and it was I thought it was very you know very unusual and very funny and and all that stuff and so I said that I would really like to do it and um and so we did that film together that was called the vicious Circle of Success, and that was in two thousand and five I think or two thousand and four maybe two thousand and five and yeah i mean the the uh, initially we just shared a passion for you know making films. And there wasn't a particular uh, game plan beyond that. Um, John was writing a lot and had a passion for for writing and directing. And I was doing my own thing, producing as well. And then um, we'd sort of come together every few months to make a short film. And uh, we did a few of those together. And I think, um, you know, fair to say they they were successful, at least creatively, they were successful knew that we worked well together and then yeah and then and then you know we I, I was working on a on a film and um John had this brilliant idea of trying to start a company 
properly rather than um, <laughs> yeah. just little films now films, and again. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was in 2008. Um, and that was the beginning of Electric Shadow for me anyway. Yeah. Okay. And John, did you come to directing as a writer initially? No, I, um, with other mutual friends, had sort of had a, you know, done the whole high eight, you know, whatever tape films as a kid. Um, my family's from Southwest Scotland and, um, you know, when I'd come up here for holidays, my parents wanted to keep me out of trouble. So they let me use the family video camera. I come from a family of architects and architecture and film seem to overlap quite a lot, given that, that so much of it is about um, space and these big sort of projects that you have to get involved in that have huge amounts of money. And I think architects and film directors think similarly in high minded ways about themselves, but then get um, knocked down by everyone as much as possible. But yeah, there's a sort of similar <laughs> yeah. size to the, you know, the projects that you get yeah. involved in. They take a similar amount of time and um you know you have to dress them up in a sort of similar sort of way in order to get money yeah. out of people for them and i knew i never wanted to be an architect and i but i did you know i was always um uh the only tv in my parents house was at the end of my parents bed and i started a little film club with a friend and we always used to just sit on my parents bed and watch films and then sort of later at university was always going to you know films at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever over a weekend and and that sort of yeah. thing and it was it it wasn't really about writing or directing it was about sort of having ideas and expressing them in an interesting way i'd studied philosophy and psychology at university so and but i never wanted to sort of write essays or things like that i always wanted to dress things up in a creative and accessible form rather than leaving you know things just being pushed forward by the idea you wanted to be able to express them in an emotional and um narrative and intellectual and tie all those things together okay um, yeah 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 uh, did you write plays at all because it sounds almost as if no, I've uh. I'm terrified of play. All <laughs> <Are> you... <laughs> oh, right. I okay. love I love working with actors, but yeah. um but I think on one level like the sort of immediacy of them is is terrifying and also I'd have to go to if I put on I I was thinking about it, you know, if I directed a play I'd have to watch every single, I'd drive everyone mad because I'd always, I'd go and watch every single performance and just be like, oh, it's different. Uh, uh. I don't, you know, the not, the great thing about um, film directing is that, you know, once it's there, you know, you've got all your raw footage, you've got to make, you know, you can go and do reshoots, of course, but like you, yeah, you've the got whole, the yeah. sort of basis of it and you've just got to find something in there. Yeah. Whereas I'd always be tweaking if it was a theatre. To your slate, there seems to be a preponderance of the darker stuff, if I may say so. <laughs> Is that right? You know, you're both sort of drawn to the, whether it's horror or sort of gothic, because um, I see you've got a sort of 
gothic reworking of an Edgar Allan Poe story, haven't you? It brought into modern times, COVID world. Are you, are you very much sort of drawn to the, the dark side when it comes to drama? It's interesting because you started off by talking about a comedy, but maybe that was I'm, savage satire. <laughs> I, I think the, <laughs> the a, a lot of our slate is our, our slate was more varied. I think uh, um, initially, and we found actually that um, it wasn't particularly helpful having a having a varied slate because it was quite hard for people to position the company and and yeah. work out what we're doing. And, and and additionally, um, a lot of other genres don't particularly sell very well. So comedy, um, we obviously love, and that we'd like to do more of, I think. But um, it is a hard um, one. But it's it, a so? very yeah. hard genre internationally. Yeah. Um, obviously, they always do well in their own countries, but um, but in terms of traveling, it's quite hard. Um, horror, which we do have a few projects. Are, um, um, does travel incredibly well internationally um, and is really fun to watch. I always think that comedy and horror occupy quite a similar space um, in terms of audience fulfilment, um, and that's okay. why they're that's why they are so popular. So I sort of I see them fairly interchangeably in a weird sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think there is a slight leaning towards the darker material maybe at the moment just because of some of the projects that we've been developing recently in this you know obviously quieter year um do reflect um the ability to work in a smaller space some of the you know one of the projects particularly has been uh kind of developed with a kind of um uh a restriction on the filming that you know um yeah. and those do lend themselves quite well you know contained horror yeah films, one, one location kind of thing yeah, yeah. Mm. um and you know and also the other couple that we've that we have on there are just very good scripts you know they just happen to be dark there's nothing yeah, yeah. it wasn't a particular uh you know it wasn't a particular love of nasty things it was just that, <laughs> yeah okay. it was just that they're they're the best ones we've oh, seen come on confess i'm i you know i've have spent a lot of time directing comedy and i for me i've felt like i just had you know what people often say that um production teams drive themselves crazy um trying to make comedies because there's so much pressure to make it you're actually under more pressure making a comedy because you've got to keep making it funny all the time yeah um and that you know often breaks up production teams i you know i it's the irony really, isn't it <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, exactly. let's make people laugh but in the process kill each other um <laughs> and i going back to my point about you know kind of it being about the expression of ideas and everything, I often always have, well have felt that it's hard to get people to keep thinking when they're. Long. I mean, obviously the great comedians do do that. Um, they do keep your intellect ticking over um, while you're throwing jokes at them, um, but it also really pisses people off. <laughs> there are loads of reviews about hippopotamus that were, you know, sort of condemned it for being um, sort of intellectual. 
and you know I, it was pretty puerile as well i mean it's about a boy who thinks he has magic semen um so okay. it's like it's, yeah. it's very odd that um people were condemning it for that but um for me i was like okay i've done so much comedy i now feel like i want to flex my brain in a different direction and also um not have to worry about um oh have people laughed in the last um minute and a half yeah, ooh, yeah. people haven't laughed yeah. for five minutes oh we've got to really yeah. get a joke in here um and so i i just thought I, i'm gonna try out um because i don't think the actual themes are any lighter or darker compared to the comedy or the horrors we've been doing it's the spin and uh that the audience experience has that's slightly different um yeah you know Hip hippo was pretty dark but it was just spun in a way that there were jokes and that there were things that were um which were funny to people whereas with the horror you do you know the thematically and um narratively it's it's going to be very similar but you just spin the they're not jokes but they have pun you know the shocks are punchlines in the same way that jokes are I think that goes back to what more Jay was saying about them being very similar. And and that is the case. Um, you need to yeah, keep... I mean, I suppose that's why uh, so many poor horrors are actually hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's like, because, <laughs> because it's, it's such a, a fine dividing line, isn't there, really? Um, you can say that of most genres, but there is that. You know, a lot of people will watch bad horror because they want to laugh. Um, yeah. The, um, and I one piece of advice from my film school uh, teacher was if you're doing a horror, always shoot it so that you can edit it as a hot comedy. If it goes badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just in case. Yeah. In case. Oh, dear. I think it's also the thing about the, the darker stuff that is on the slate is that it's some of them are horror and some of them are psychological thriller, but they, they all are trying to highlight or say something that, you know, is, does interest us interest us they're not really slasher films they're not those kind of horror films they're just that they're they're actually stories that we find interesting but we're trying to tell them in a way that is the most you know the most successful at at being entertaining and also in a, and and also from a production point of view the the most you know not not economical necessarily but certainly you know there are techniques you can use in horror, the way you can shoot stuff and, the, you know, that are, you know, you don't need these grand epic things, uh, epic setups and stuff. Yeah, um, so sure. it's, a, it's a way of saying, it's kind of, it's a way of saying something that you want to say, but saying it in a, in a sort of an efficient way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So how has the last year been for you, you know, specifically, obviously, around the projects you're developing or even finishing off? Talk me through one or two projects that you've, Perhaps one that you've been finishing and one that you, you've been trying to get off the ground? So, it, um, why don't I go for May We Bring Hope, which is a title that has its irony laid on quite thickly. <laughs> 
and I, you know, it's um, a very brief synopsis. It's about a um, young single mum in the early 90s, and she works in a cooperative factory um, that's a manufacturing cogs, and they're being run into the ground through lack of support from the government because of the opening up of Europe and the fact that they're a cooperative, so they're not that competitive in the marketplace. But there's an incredible sense of community in the town. And she goes back to work and she starts taking a productivity pill just to keep things kind of moving along. And it's sort of, it's kind of halfway between like Pro Plus and Adderall. It's sort of in that kind of world. And then the, the, the factory still has loads of trouble. She can't get her next monthly subscription. And it turns out that the company, it's called Propel, the pills. And um, it turns out that they're a multi-level marketing, like a pyramid, you know, pyramid selling. Yeah. And the pyramid selling company kind of eats the cooperative from the inside because it works along exactly the same social and community structures as the um as the cooperative does and then people start having bad side effects everyone's exploiting themselves in order to work harder and harder and harder they become more and more obsessed with work the community starts crumbling um eventually the factory does completely fall apart and then she you know and that's her low point and it's a disaster and then she like a phoenix from the ashes, rises up and turns the factory into the distrib- new distribution centre for Propel in her part of Britain. And uh, it sort of ends with her as this sort of incredibly powerful, successful figure rising out of a complete destruction of everything she ever believed in. Um, okay. And, <laughs> the Phoenix myth <laughs> with a twist. Yeah, Phoenix myth, but in a sort of bad, bad, bad way. <laughs> yeah. The, the, it the sounds Phoenix like it's responsible for the fire as well as everything else. Yeah. Did you give it a sort of satirical treatment or is it more it's social realism? Very much. Realism? Uh, it's, it's absolutely not social realism. Um, yeah. I've always slightly tongue in cheek referred to certain types of filmmaking as British miserablism. Yeah. And I try and kind of not do that because I, and actually I have no right to do any of that. You know, I had a very nice life and I'm a very fortunate individual and I have no desire or justification to treat anyone else with any sort of social disparity. This is really about getting under the ideas and it, yeah, it's going to look like a kind of Martin Parr photograph come to life and it'd be quite extraordinary. So were you kind of savaging the corporate model or, or, or were you looking at it more from the individual's experience? Uh, it's about the way in which it's a bit of a curse on both your houses because cooperative, you know, I, there was a lot of big ideas about how the financial collapse of 2008, you know, we should all have cooperatives and wouldn't that be great and, you know, yeah. We'd all get on and Utopia. <laughs> cooperatives are reactionary. They stifle innovation. You know, the group think is terrible. 
they're not co they're not competitive. You know, if you look at Mondragon and all the sort of big cooperatives in Spain, you know, they they don't actually then they're not great yeah they're, they're <laughs> 70s england really aren't they they sort of, or, yeah. or everything that was wrong with it anyway well there's yeah but so it's and then you know there's a big push for the individual and you know and risk gets moved from being managed at the sort of either the corporate or the institutional level and gets put onto individuals and individuals kind of get rewarded greatly if they're successful, excuse me. There's a great reward for um, taking loads of risk if, you, if you're an individual, but there's loads of failure on the individual level and it just crushes lots of people around you. So it's kind of a historical interest. And I, you know, I, it's what I wanted, to, what I really want to do with the film is kind of tell a modern version of a myth look you know if, if you look at sort of mythic story there's traditional mythic stories about why just so stories or how we got to where we are or what it means to you know how we ended up with it how we fire was invented or why we have you know there's sort of explanations for why things are the way they are and so yeah. that's what i wanted to do with this and it you know it was looking at the rise of populism and the way in which the sort of lower and working and middle classes have been put under more and more pressure and more strain and all this kind of stuff and it was kind of a look of how we got to that and then turned it into a slightly mythic sort of and that you know that is kind of horror-y it's you know there are sort of monsters there they're just not yeah the same kind of monsters so i i i had a really good draft of that this time last year and then um covid came along and i thought oh my god this has totally changed the landscape and this sort of concern about populist politics is you know with the it's going to be totally wiped out and we're not, you know, they, no one believes in this anymore, and the pandemic's going to change all. Of, and and you know, thankfully for me, all those problems are still around. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, bad for the country, and everyone yeah. has to live in it. Yeah, but, look at um, the mess this government's put us in. Yeah, oh, it, you know, the government hasn't let me down by yeah. being awful. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. by by stopping being awful. So, um, yeah, I, I there was, you know. Speaking entirely for the from the project's point of view, I, there was a great anxiety that it was going to be meaningless, and and actually, after a while, it seems like it still it still fits. But then you know, it's it's a very difficult project. So that's sort of creatively, and what it means. But in terms of making it, it's become very hard because it's not something that when you're shooting it at it people could be masked up because it's you know it's period it just doesn't make any sense and you know it's not a film that's going to have a big enough budget for everyone to be tested every two days to make sure yeah. that you know they, they aren't getting covid yeah and it sounds like you've got quite a cast as well it's, if, and if it's, it's a factory, a factory. Yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah. and it's a and it's it's about people moving around you know and it's about mm content yeah so that in terms 
or it's about society. So yeah, it, I don't think it's filmable until we're out the other side, which is a you know a great yeah. shame. Yeah, hugely frustrating for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it kind of simmering away on the back burner, waiting for? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's an opportunity to go and uh, rewrite the script and make sure that everything really does work really well and that and you know going to pie to the bfi for right. um some more funds to, to, yeah to, to have, have you had developed. Uh, development funds of any kind for it no no i've okay. never got any money out of any institution for my own <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah but, we're in yeah. england aren't we yeah yeah i don't no, think no, it's going to get any better either no no. Yeah. Oh dear. Have you been finishing off any projects uh, in the last twelve months? You know, like in in the edit suite, that kind of thing. Not so well. Our company is the way uh, Electric Shadow is is um, got a sister company called J Cubed. We have a partner who's first name also begins with J and that's a finance company and so we've been involved with loads of projects that have been finishing off over the last year on that sort of front that have been coming out the edit I don't know Jay if you want to speak to to that yeah I mean yeah we've had um so with J cubed we've had at least two or three films released during the pandemic which was you know nerve-wracking i suppose they you know we we had the we were we had this amazing moment where one of the films that we'd been involved in was number one in the uk and the us and uh and we and we were like wow that's, that that's amazing like, but then we found out that there was no competition uh yeah yeah <laughs> um but no i mean we're still really proud of that but it was um yeah it was a sort of measured um pride um and then we have uh so yeah i mean we've had you know we've had quite a few films come out during pandemic and watching how those distribution models have changed been you know interesting we've had um we've actually finished making producing we also co-produce as we're a uk co-producing partner for international shoots um uh a side of the business that that is um you know that we like working on um and we've done two films one was actually finished shooting just i think just before things started to close down in the first wave um but we so we still had to do the the, the end post of that film that was called rogue we still had to do the end post of that film during um lockdown um that was that was that was quite interesting because it was a you know it sort of straddled you know pre-pandemic and pandemic worlds and it was sort of exciting you know doing some uh some of the tasks in this new regime and then we did the second one which was a very different experience because we were so we we as the UK producer were so distanced from the production you know it wasn't like we, you know we were able to do some of it you know normally we weren't able to do any of it normally or, or what we're used to so we felt very removed from the um, from the process because everything was done remotely. Um, you know, all the all the yeah. post was remote. 
you know you could you could just about go into a to do some of the finishing post but you know you're 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 dealing with actors in different time zones you're, you're everything's run through uh through a remote working system and it's quite quite strange so but but you know actually it didn't affect the quality of the film the film the film's great so that's brilliant and the film comes out in May, this may uh may 2021 so you know we were happy that we were able to you know continue some production activity what was your role uh, with that i mean i i understand you say finance is quite nebulous uh, just that word what, what were you involved in putting together for, for example post production teams or that one wasn't was it, sorry, that that film yeah. that, that film that I just mentioned that was not a financing project that was a product that was okay. an actual production yeah um, albeit we weren't the originating producer we were we were uh, kind of like a work for hire really so that one that one came to us and, and I worked with um with another producer um who who we have another you know you set up a new company every time you you do a film so we have a company called Finks Wallace uh, there's a producer we work with Crazy Dixon and um we've been working quite closely on a few projects he actually also um co-produced Hippopotamus the film that John directed so we've got a good working relationship with Crazy and we do we sort of work together on these projects that come in for co-production and what we do is we we work with the international partner or partners and we help them develop the financial structure. So like how much, you know, how much money the tax credit is worth in the UK. Um, is there a post deal that can be obtained through, you know, um, through visual effects or through sound and picture post, you know, and, and sort of using our expertise as we have done with film financing but we don't actually bring any financing we're just we're just helping structure it in the most effective way and then and then yeah we we put together a post team as well by and large it's it's the it's the post really that we're mostly involved with but there is some element of casting there's some element uh, some of the those shows that I just mentioned um the the writer is is british and the director is british so there are key British elements there. Um, they are effectively British films, but they're being shot somewhere yeah. else. Where, where were they shot, actually? South Africa. Okay, yeah, both. Sorry, one was South Africa and one was Kenya. Okay. Have you um, got um, a strong connection out there, generally? I think, I think we probably do now, yeah, mm. um, after yeah. these projects. You know, um, really great filming there i mean the, the 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 amount you can get on screen for the budget is is remarkable you know compared to imagine, what we're yeah. used to so it's you you get a, you get a lot for your money and and they're really good at shooting i mean they've got a, a very advanced infrastructure there with the crews are brilliant they're always working um the facilities are great you know it's yeah. I, you know it's it's yeah it's been a really good experience um mm. uh doing in both Kenya and in um and in okay. South Africa. Yeah. And other countries? Like Europe or Canada, US? Yeah, yeah. We've we've got experience with um New Zealand, with Germany, with the US, um with Hungary. Um, New Zealand. Did you say New Zealand? New Zealand, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned that. So yeah, I mean some were official co productions, some were just shooting partners. Um, the US, there's never really a, an incentive to be a, a co-production. So that, um, but yeah, I mean, we shot in Louisiana, which was which was nice. Yeah, I think you know that's that's 
it's I think it's massively important to have an international outlook as a production company because there's so many talented people you know around the world that you you know you need to be working with and um you know so we have quite a outward you know outward looking business i think did you reach out to them or did you did they uh, find you it's a bit of both they they come through different um let me think about that um so it, yeah to your question they uh we get approached and we approach i mean we we're quite you know we some of our films are played at festivals and so we'd go along to the festivals and you'd meet other filmmakers you'd strike up you know relationships and friendships and it just sort of happens that way as i'm sure you know and then you go to different markets around the world and you meet up with those filmmakers again and then they're doing a film and you want to you know it sounds interesting and you share you already have a you know you already share a, a shorthand with them so it's really easy just to kind of start talking straight away about what's happening next that's how most of the things have come about i think um i think it's really important you know what we discovered very early on with our company was that it was important to have a, a second business sort of to be getting on with just being a production company in and of itself is too i mean never mind the sort of financials of it but like the it's just so it's such a slog only working on your own projects and trying to get them out there and you know you you need something either that small that you can tick over and and just be working on things and for a while we were sort of doing online videos and sort of what was I guess called narrative branded content in the okay. early two thousands or whatever, right. and that was sort of our side business for a bit. But you know, it it never really took off for us. And um, I had a bit of money to one side, and I thought, okay, um, you know, we sat down, and we're like, okay, either we put this all into our own projects that we totally, you know, and we do believe in them, we could, or we set up this little financing company that at that time was doing little section debt sections of films but sort of the last money in and the first money out and all you know the sort of final hundred thousand that's hardest to for lots of companies to raise and that you know we built a really good solid reputation for um always standing behind what we were doing but also giving good notes engaging with people always offering to do little bits of extra work here and there and i think you know that side of the business is the this, the co-production side has grown out of our reputation as good financiers and you know that those things have really developed hand in hand in a, in a positive way yeah you spoke about structuring finance do you also go out there and raise equity no no well, one of our, our our other partners, you know, in in J Cube has, has done that, and um, you know, but it's mostly been this sort of small bit of seed capital that I had that we've managed to just build very slow. Oh no, we've lost it. No, build, build, build. Oh, we lost some. No, but you know, and yeah, and over ten years, it you know, it's a bit bigger than it was, but yeah, it's it's a it's a sort of it's still, you know, six, you make nothing on three, you lose a little bit and one, you know, makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that sort of balance. Yeah. 
That's pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And you're building a TV slate. So that's quite exciting. Um, I saw your slate. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Any of the projects on there? Sure. That are sort of getting some traction? Sure, John, you happy? Like... Yeah, go, 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 yeah. go, go. That's, that's your. Yeah, so we we also, about a few, uh, maybe, gosh, these years are whizzing by, particularly in pandemic times, but yeah. um, about a year before the pandemic, our esteemed colleague Sarah was promoted to, um, to lead our. Um, production and development activities. So what what happened when when um, this past year with 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 COVID was she's been she's been sort of focused on 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 the television slate and, and building that slate. Um, and so we we have a really interesting project based on a, a very successful book series, which was the first project um that we got the first television project that we took on and got a lot of traction because it's it is a it is a big book series and people like you know successful ip but so did you acquire um, the rights for the ip we did yeah we did um and we, we we also have been you know very engaged with the writer of the original book series who's you know written loads of other books and i think that's an important Thing as well is to build those relationships you know um for future you know future business really so yeah that i think it's important like john says you know what we've what we've tried to do is look at different avenues for our business that don't rely on film scripts getting going into production because it's a very very uncertain world or you know uh yeah, even in the best you can terms. have it. You can have a script out there. <laughs> yeah. It could it could get picked up straight away. It could sit. It could go from door to door for ten years, and the, and everybody hates it. And then all of a sudden, it's it wins Oscars. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a very strange. Uh, it's very strange, and and also there's no guarantees that anyone's going to read it, and it, you just never know, right? Yeah. So that's a weird um, one, yeah. So we needed to focus on things that were more, in quotations, reliable. And TV is a proper business, you know, I mean, it, you know, you've got, it's a, there's a pipeline and people need to fill it, you know, and I mean, there, there, there certainly was that with film, even if we've even seen the change in the, you know, the, the number of years that we've been running, like there has been a massive, massive shift in making independent films harder to get off the ground. Like it, it yeah. definitely yeah. is. Um, and so we needed, but, you know, but we've got loads of stories that we want to tell and we've got loads of people and brilliant filmmakers that we want to work with. So we need, and, and we've got the passion and the drive. So we need to be, we just need to keep doing stuff, you know? Um, and so TV gives us an opportunity to think about things slightly differently. Um, it allows us also to use our experience in feature film financing, which is, you know, quite a specialized area and is now in demand in TV because there's lots of, you know, as you know, like TV production, the, the world of high-end TV changed. Um, yeah, especially the co-pro area, which you're exactly. So, you know, so there's lots of TV producers and I mean, this has probably changed as well because it's not, you know, it's, it's not totally, um, you know, it's not hard to figure it out, but you know, we, we did have experience of how to finance things in this independent, manner and i think that's a transferable skill across to tv 
and a lot of this, yeah, a lot of the stories that we've been finding um, and optioning and working on and developing, they are well suited for a kind of, you know, um, a series format. We, we, we all collaborate on ideas. So we all, you know, John, how we started Electric Shadow, when we started Electric Shadow, John, um, John had brought Hippopotamus in to, um, to, the, to us um, and we were talking about it and um, we all thought it was bonkers. <laughs> but, then <laughs> okay. we, but then we came around and realised it was kind of brilliant. So, you know, so books come in and we, and we look to option those if we really like them. We might be reading an article in a newspaper or hear it on the radio and that might spark an idea. And then we'll engage with um, agents to find writers that, you know, might be appropriate for them. Or we might even have a relationship already with writers that are appropriate for them. Um, so it's sort of, yeah, I think I think we, you know, we just sort of share ideas as a team, really, and try and support each other in in our ideas and sometimes they feel a bit left field you know we could somebody might say an idea which doesn't feel particularly electric shadowy but um but you know but then but then over the course of a few meetings all of a sudden you get it and you're like oh okay this this is a really interesting idea and the other thing then um that i think it's important to add is that what we we're, we're a small business and so for us it's important that we find partners to develop projects with so we often then think about it's not just about okay so you know we've, we've optioned the book who's going to be the writer we'll, we'll do a little a little you know we'll cast our net out we'll speak to agents you know whatever we'll find the writer and then it's about okay who are we going to make it with um because i think that it's much better and more fun really to be doing these things um with other people that know what they're doing and are good at yeah, it. Yeah, you have an in with the uh, commissioners, etc. That's my sure. experience. Anyway, pushing my own material around, you know, it's sort of like, well, you have to find a company that is already in with the TV crowd. It's a wider network, and it and it gives you more reach, um, and it gives you more ideas, and it gives you more, you know, it 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 can things can take a long time to develop because you're slogging away on one idea, and it can get rather tiring. I think, and, and it's nice to have other people. Uh, help you with that you know make it more interesting give you different points of view on it so yeah are are you finding that things are picking up at all in the last couple of months you know with the vaccine run and is it getting a little busier a bit more responsive my i mean my experience is that it feels a bit like sitting in west london watching the aeroplanes stacked um either for takeoff or for landing you know there are all these yeah if you know if the planes to land are the films that have been shot and are looking for slots to uh get into the cinema you know you've equally got huge numbers of planes sitting on the runway um you know which are films ready for financing that are packaged that are ready to take off um yeah it's a good analogy yeah it hasn't actually you know, no one's actually said, right, let's let's go because it's not quite there. And so in what I, from what I can see, like the really tiny, tiny films are getting shot and are getting done. And there is actually quite a lot of them, you know, in the sort of 500 to 
500,000 to 1.2 million kind of range because they're just like, to hell with it. We're getting it done. Let's just go and do it. You know, and those kind of films can get away and get shot. And then the super high end stuff is getting shot because they can just throw five pound notes out a window. But it's, there's a huge, the sort of mid to high end independent films just haven't managed, you know, they can't quite get out there because it's not quite stable enough. There's a really big piece of IP that I've been involved in for about four and a half years trying to get out of the gates. And we know, you know, everyone's after it, but we're just like, we can't let it happen just yet <laughs> because we, we don't want it to get lost. And yeah. um, it's just, you've just got to bide your time for it. And even though everyone's desperate to, you know, start shooting tomorrow, you know, it's like, no, we're going to. And, and the big shift for that kind of thing is actually this virtual production thing that's going on. And, the, you know, the, the way The Mandalorian was shot uh, with these huge LED walls. And I think that is going to make a massive difference coming out of covid because people you know you can set these things up in a you know medium-sized warehouse and you you know act cast and other talent aren't going to have to travel um you build the whole thing in um a games engine so you you know oh i don't feel like shooting that scene let's shoot on the beach instead click 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 yeah. oh yeah completely different you know yeah we'll have a four-hour sunset and i think that's really going to to shift the speed yeah. and the ability for these sort of high it's it's not cheap enough for kind of low end production yet but for the sort of mid and upper independent films that's going to make a huge difference um, are you thinking at all of writing for that kind of medium yourself i we've been working on some i i I wanted to do this sort of contained horror thing that feels a little bit like, well, I can't work out which one of Polanski's sort of um, apartment films. Oh, so Repulsion. either Repulsion, yeah. Rosemary's Baby or The Tenant. I, I, I change my mind every five minutes, which one it's more like, but it's in that sort of thing. And, you know, and, and the, the apartment kind of moving like it yeah, does yeah. In, Repulsion, in Repulsion yeah. or, or yeah. the perspective shifts. I just thought it would be really interesting to do, to use that, the, the virtual production things as an, a, to your advantage for that kind of stuff. But I, I'm not sure the LED panels are cheap enough for that kind of, they'd it'd be an amazing creative use of them, but I'm not sure that, that they are but but then again you know the, these things led the technology is improving so much all the time that maybe i'll be able to get my hands on the one from two generations ago that no one wants to use anymore and will will be yeah. able to do something you know exciting. it'd just be great to you know shift the perspective on the walls as someone's walking down a corridor and just really those sort of subtle things could really add a great sense of dread <laughs> yeah Last last question, uh, mainly aimed at you, John. Uh, have you got something on the go, script-wise? Currently, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Maybe this may we bring hope thing is on the go. Um, 
well, this and then we're having real fun with um, the, a, a COVID version of the Mask of the Red Death, um, yeah. which is, as you said, the um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. I because I, they uh, Criterion or someone re-released uh, Roger Corman's Mask of the Red Death, which was shot in 1968 by Nicholas Rogue. It's an All amazing right, yeah. film. Um, and it's it's so entertaining, and you know Vincent Price looks like Clark Gable gone to seed, and it sort of <laughs> it fits perfectly in there. And I just thought this is so much fun. Like that's yeah. the other bit, you know, it, it can be gothic, but and without being sort of camp, and you fit lots of ideas in there, and you just play with them. And there's a real anyway. So that's really what's on the go at the moment is uh, is an attempt to. Uh, bring the mask of the red death not only back from the 19th century but also the 60s and and redo it for covid in a really fun sort of playful camp horror gothic way yeah sounds great i think we should end on that note anyway thanks guys for talking to me thank you thank you very much very nice to speak to you yeah thank you jay taylor and john jenks just before you go If you're a regular here and enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and take care.